it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 724 for April 17th, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz, back with another installment of Programming by Stealth. We're going to take a big leap forward today, aren't we, Bart? We are indeed. Um, I've been having great fun with the green tick mark emoji as we get closer and closer to having done all of our prep work for the giant big project we're about to engage in too. Uh, And as things stand, we have five out of six ticked. And if all goes to plan, by the time we hit the stop record button, there'll be six out of six. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a step. It is. So we learned about ESX modules. We introduced Node and NPM. We, with great help from Lin, from Helma, um, we learned about the Linter ES Lint. Then we learned about JS Doc and the Doc Dash theme for doing our documentation. We learned about or reminded ourselves of test driven development, and we learned about Jest. And the last thing I want to talk about is this thing we haven't yet even met the idea of called a bundler. Um, I was on the fence because. I really like one called Rollup, which I've been using for years, but it's kind of it's kind of not where the community's gone. It, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like an ice engine in the twenty first century. It's like yeah. well, as as Dan Morin said, break up with software before it breaks up with you. Yeah, pretty much. And that, I sort of I have that feeling if I don't leave Rollup soon, I'm going to basically have to redo everything in a project. I mean, the whole point here is we're starting something which we're hoping has many years of life. So don't, you know, don't start with the old Start tool. at the beginning of the so runway, at the end. Yes, yes, exactly. One thing so I want to we are the going... audience, before we jump in, uh, I've uh, pre-read some of the show notes and Bart is not going to tell us the problem to be solved up front. We're going to walk into it. So be waiting. He is going to tell you the problem to be solved, but it's not at the beginning. Sort of, yeah. It won't become obvious until the beginning because that's just the way these things work in this case. But right, yeah, right. so the important point is we are going to learn about the most popular bundler out there by a country mile. It's called Webpack. Um, and as its name suggests, it's for packaging stuff for the web. Webpack. I need to get this stuff on the web. Webpack it. Okay, great. <laughs> Webpack is amazing. Webpack has... So many features, it's really hard to learn because if you try to learn everything it can do, you'll be so overwhelmed, you'll forget the problem you were trying to solve, let alone actually find the problem to be solved in there anywhere. So we are not going to learn everything Webpack can do. Instead, we're going to learn a very small subset of Webpack to solve the actual problem, which we're going to run into first when we port HSXKPassWD to JavaScript. And that is that we need to take a JavaScript library and publish it. So Webpack can make web apps, Webpack can make websites, Webpack can package just about anything that goes on the internet. But we want to take a library to share it. And so we're going to learn just a slice of Webpack to do that. Okay. And then I'm going to say put a giant big pin in it because a little bit later in the process when we're going to redo the XKPassWD web interface, we're going to need the rest of Webpack. No, we're going to need another part of Webpack. We're going to need (laughs) another slice. And so we'll take another slice at that stage of the game. And when we go on to do the command line version, we may discover another slice at that point. But we're going to take it slice by slice because otherwise it is very overwhelming. I I have spent four weeks getting these notes ready. I I can't remember what it is I made up to do last time, but I needed four weeks because there was a lot to digest here. So we are going to learn the slice of Webpack so that we can 
package it into a single file that we can import as easily as we import jQuery. Right? When we use jQuery, it's just one script tag, and then hey presto, we have jQuery. Well, when we go to import our library, I want it to be as easy as importing jQuery. That's the problem to be solved. So let's let's dig a little deeper on that. So we've used jQuery, used Moment.js, and we pull them in from a contact delivery network, and we put a script tag in, and they appear in the JavaScript global scope as a variable with one name, right? So we say script, we paste in the URL for jQuery, and from that point forward, the variable dollar gets popped into our global scope, and we just use dollar, and that is jQuery. Or we that, that took me the longest time to understand that dollar was actually this entire library of stuff. Yeah, it takes that a whole it, variable and, and it just drops, or sorry, it takes a whole library and drops it in as a variable. There you go. There it is. Yeah, and I don't think I understood it was a variable and that moment was a variable the way you've just described it here. So that, that actually solidifies something. A penny just dropped for me there. Well, good. I mean... There are variables that contain objects, which are like massive, massive big things. That's how, you know, one variable can hold so much stuff. It's, it's a giant big dictionary, really. Um, so anyway, moment is the other one. So we, we have one script tag, and then the variable moment just, there it is. It's in our global scope, and we just use it. So if you've ever gone to, if you've ever been curious how moment.js works and opened the actual JS file that's at that URL you've included, what you will find is gibberish. It is oh, really? valid JavaScript, but it has no spacing in it. It has variable names like A, B, and C. It looks like nothing that a human could have written. That's because a human didn't write it. A bundler oh. wrote it. So the humans wrote JavaScript codes probably spread over tens of source code files in a nice folder structure so that humans can know what they're doing. And when it comes to publishing it, you get this, slap it all together and put it into one file and distribute it. And is it getting rid of spacing and long names and all that for efficiency of code? Yes, and. So th that is okay. certainly a part of it. So it's going to get rid of all that stuff. But also, it's the chances are a big problem like jQuery is not one thing, right? The chances are there's 20 or 30 JavaScript classes under the hood there. And those classes are all working together and it's a separate file for each class. And there's this whole big structure in there that's all coder friendly, right? This is a massive piece of software. But as the end user, we want one file. We don't want a folder structure that we have to copy into our project. And so the bundler takes this giant big collection of files that are, you know, full of comments and all human friendly and collapses them into one JavaScript file that contains everything and has had all the fluff stripped out to make it as small as possible. Interesting. So are the comments are gone, I would presume? Comments are gone, depending on what the bundler, depending on how much optimization the bundler does, all the spacing could be gone. Wow. And the other thing it does is it wraps the whole kit and caboodle in the appropriate logic to make the code as universal as possible. So we... When I introduced you to ES6 modules, I said that we're coming into the tail end of a car crash, right? There was no official standard, so everyone invented their own, and then someone actually invented a standard that collects all the standards together, and that's called UMD, the Universal Module Definition, 
which is basically a bunch of code that figures out whether you're trying to talk. It's kind of like Schrodinger's module. If you ask it a question in CommonJS format, it will answer you as if it was a CommonJS module. And if you ask it a question in one of the other formats, it'll answer as if it was written in the other format. But it's not written in any of those formats, or it could be written in one of those formats. But the bundler has wrapped whatever the heck it was in this universal module definition. And it basically sort of presents every API and just answers whatever one you talk to it with. It sounds a little more like the particle wave duality to me. Yeah, exactly. It's both a particle and a wave, and it will just answer you. What you want it to be. <laughs> whatever, whatever way you ask it a question, it'll answer that way. Yeah, that's, that's it exactly. Think of it like wave-particle duality. Okay, so UMD is, is so that's the, the cat's meow now? That's the, the, cool, the new hotness? Oh, it's no? not the new hotness. It's the old workaround. The new hotness is okay. ES6, but ES6 is still new, which means it doesn't have universal support. So most, if you go to jQuery and just download their core, their source file, it's going to be a UMD because that okay, is just the they have most. To make sure it works everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like okay. as its name suggests, it is the most browser compatible. So if you're in browser land, UMD is king. It won't be forever, but you know, 2022 UMD is king. So Moment.js, jQuery, they're all UMDs. But the developer didn't write all that weirdo code. The bundler did, which is why it looks like garbage. Okay, so the so other we'll thing how to get a bundler together and get it to make our code look like garbage too. <laughs> well, we want it to behave perfectly and we're not going to care what it looks like. Okay. Okay. Now, it's also doing an extra piece of magic called encapsulation. So, the chances are very high that jQuery makes use of other code. But it doesn't make you go and get all of its dependencies. What the bundler has done is it has taken everything jQuery depends on and shoved it into that one file. So not only does it contain all of the files that the jQuery developers wrote, it also contains all of the modules they imported. And the bundler takes all of it and just wraps it all together into this one.js file and then puts the magic sauce around it to make it in its wave particle duality form. Okay. So th this... Okay. Um, what we have been doing up until now is a special case, right? So when you write code that uses other people's code, you actually have to make a choice. You either say, I am going to explicitly say my code depends on this other code, or you're going to bundle the other code in quietly so the user doesn't have to know about it. And 99 times out of 100, you bundle. But there are one or two exceptions, and those exceptions are things like gigantic libraries the size of jQuery. So Bootstrap 4 did not bundle jQuery. That's why the documentation for Bootstrap 4 said you must include the script file for, for jQuery before you include the script file for Bootstrap. I remember that, yeah. And So Bootstrap has bundled everything else that it uses, and I have no idea what else it uses because I don't need to. But they chose not to bundle jQuery because it's so big and because it's so common. So that's called okay. a peer dependency. So we have been using peer dependencies for everything up until now because we haven't learned about bundlers yet. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so and that's How do you just... decide what's too big to that you should keep as a peer and what should become an uh, encapsulated dependency? You'll Piece know it when you smell it? <laughs> Pretty much. 
And the chances are you'll do it one way and the community will be cranky at you and then you do it the other way and a different part of the community will be cranky at you and you'll figure it out <laughs> eventually. It's pretty much how it goes. And you'll have a giant big argument about it as if the universe depends on it and it really doesn't. And it'll be another one of those. Okay. I assume there's repercussions as a developer to which way you go, whether you encapsulate or do peer dependencies? Well, if you encapsulate, your your file gets bigger. If you don't encapsulate, then your file is smaller, but the user has to remember to do the peer dependency first. If you encapsulate, then the user is forced to use an old version of jQuery, maybe. Whereas if you don't encapsulate, the user gets to use the cutting edge jQuery, but then your code might be buggy because it's using the wrong version. So it just swings in roundabouts all the way. It's pros and cons and pros and cons and pros and cons. Okay. I'll just cut the case. <laughs> We're going to bundle. We're just going to bundle everything for uh, XK Pass WD. And unless you have a really good reason not to, you bundle. So we are, are we going to be bundling jQuery? No, because we're not going to need jQuery for the library itself. Oh, okay. The library is just going to do the logic of generating a password. Okay, okay. The See, website. I don't know yet. We don't. I don't. We don't know anything about the structure. Remember, we we. I go to a website and I type stuff in, and magic happens. That's right. all I know right now. Okay, so the yes, that's fair. So the job of the library is to do the bit that it doesn't matter what the user interface is. So whether you use the command line or whether you use the website. The same brain does the work. And so the library captures the logic of it, and then you wrap a user interface around that. Okay. And the logic the logic path isn't going to use jQuery? No, because jQuery is purely about manipulating the DOM. So that has nothing to do with generating okay. anything, right? It's purely a get stuff out of forms. Yeah, it's- yeah. It's a UI right, right, thing, right? right. right? It's, it's, it's purely about making the I just the hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, why would you? Because up until now, these things have all been very much the same, right? Because we've been living in the browser. The browser has been so much our home. Why would right. you think anything else? Okay. So and let me just make sure I haven't forgotten anything important. So an obvious question would be why? Why encapsulate? Um, and... The most obvious reason to encapsulate is convenience, right? If I want you to use my code, I don't want to have to give you a big list of things you have to do first, right? It's one thing for Bootstrap 4 to say, do this one script file before me. That's already mildly inconvenient. But if I use moment.js and numeral.js and is.js, are you really going to import four script tags before mine for some little utility to do something small? No, you're not, right? That's that's just me making your life very difficult. There's also the f- reliability. If I say to you, you need to have these four URLs before mine, well, that's four CDNs that could go down. And if any one of those goes down, my code isn't going to work because I'm expecting that other code to have been loaded first. So that's now could, four oh, maintainers. Okay. So not just that the CDN is up, but could it also be that the code isn't even there anymore? It could be, right? The developer could have decided to protest Something or other, as we've seen happen quite a bit recently. <laughs> so, you know, they, they kind of sabotage their own library or something, and maybe it's had to be forked by the community. Well, you didn't catch that, right? Now, now everything's broken everywhere. But if you encapsulate, then you have a known good copy, and it's safe, because you're in control. You have asserted control. I have taken this dependency and wrapped it into my code. And that brings us to security, which is... Actually, there's a second aspect of reliability. If I am bundling an exact version of my dependency, 
then if the developer changes something and it introduces a bug, I don't have that bug in my code until I proactively make it a task to update my dependencies and rerun my test suite. At which point my tester for development should catch the problem. I'll either roll back or I will work around, but I'm not going to push my code until my tests pass again. And that's a controlled process as opposed to just anarchy happening. Correct. Exactly. And the other thing it is... It might break everything, but you know you broke it. And you haven't hit git, you haven't done a git push, right? So you've broken right. it on your machine, you're going to fix it in your own good time. And when your test suite passes, then you're going to do a git commit and git push. And then it's out there for the world. But it's not going to be out okay. there for the world. In fact, you could even push it to a dev branch and until you merge into mass, into main, it's still not out there, right? So you have control. And also, if you're troubleshooting and you've left it to others to pick exactly which version of the other library to use, well, that's just made your troubleshooting a lot more difficult, right? You're working away on version 3.2.1 and they're working on 3.2.2 and there's this really subtle corner case book. Whereas if you just bundle it, at least you know your users are using what you're using. Right, right. You still have bugs, right? There's still it's all sorts of problems. Find bugs <laughs> when, it's the, when you're looking at the same thing, when you don't know you're not looking at the same thing, that's even worse. Exactly. And so you obviously get an aspect of security here because if, say, there's a, you know, one country invades another, lots of people get cranky and sabotage code as protest, well, none of that sabotage makes it into your module because you haven't pulled it in. But with great power comes great responsibility. If there's a bug fix to fix a catastrophic security hole, you have to rebundle and republish your code. So That's a lot of responsibility. It is. So the basic rule, like with WordPress plugins, is you, you, you borrow exactly as much code as you need and no more. Because every piece of code you bring in as a dependency is a responsibility. So use it how, wisely. How would I know, though? I'm, I'm developing a way. I've got my little, uh, my little clock time stuff going, and I'm using Moment, and there's some catastrophic bug found in Moment, and they push out a new version. How would I know that? NPM audit. Which we learned oh, about. Oh, you told us about that last time, didn't you? I did. The NPM audit you, command will tell you if you're using something with a known vulnerability. But you have to know to go do that. Unless, I'm done with that project part. I wrote it. I'm finished. Which is why GitHub offers to nag you about such things um, with its Dependabot. Right. Yeah, you turned Dependabot on on something you and I share. And I got like oh, 128 I, 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 I'll tell the listeners exactly where I turned it on, on PBS, and it has lots of old code samples. Okay. So that folder where we have a PBS repository, we have PBS, we have all of these different PBS challenges going back for oh, years. Yeah. They all reference old dependencies. And they're not oh, going to be fixed. Th that's why it started barfing. That's all, why it started barfing all over the place. <laughs> okay. That is unusual, right? Because most projects have one, right? Most Git repositories have one node project. Mm -hmm. PBS has hundreds right. of separate projects yeah, inside it. Tiny things in a lot of cases, but yeah. there's, there's many of them. Okay. Every package.json that exists on every branch of PBS. Oh, on every <laughs> branch too. 
right? You see why branches. this is. You see why we had to turn it off here. But that's yeah, not like, normal. Bart, you're killing me. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's not normal, right? Normal is one. There will be a grand total right. of one, okay. which depend about will very reliably tell you about, and that will actually be a useful notification that you will actually want to act on. You may have to remind me that I don't hate Dependabot because right now, if you hadn't, if I hadn't brought that up that we were talking about this, I would have been like, nope, 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 never using that. That was terrible. Yes. That was like when when Helma made me or convinced me to try a linter after I had written all of my code, and it was just this. Oh, it was it was a nightmare. Uh, yes, a very good analogy because when you have twenty thousand lines of code, that is not the time to turn on a very staunch critic. <laughs> And it wasn't 20,000 lines of code, but it had a lot to criticize. <laughs> exactly. I mean, every, every cuddled parenthesis, every, oh, you know, yeah. four, four spaces instead of two. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you bundle to give people convenience, reliability, and security with the asterisk that you have now taken responsibility for shipping updates. So okay. that's why you bundle. Okay. So that's all abstract, right? Whether we were using Rollup or Webpack, doesn't matter. Same logic would have applied. Now we stick on our Webpack hat. So Webpack is a giant big open source project. And so both Webpack and Rollup have become Swiss Army knives. But they've ran at the problem from two different sides. So Webpack started off as a tool for building websites. So you would write a website and you would want to use jQuery, but instead of sticking it in from a CDN, you just want to go npm install jQuery. And then you used Webpack to bundle it all into a single file called usually index.js that would take like jQuery and moment and everything you like and mush it into one file. And then your whole website had one JavaScript file that had everything in it instead of you having to have lots of script tags all over the place and keep your dependencies in order. And so it started off as a tool for building websites. And then someone said, well, geez, wouldn't it be lovely to use the same tool when I'm building libraries? And so Webpack was extended to do more. We're on Webpack 5 at the moment, by the way. So Webpack's had a lot of time to learn to be everything. Okay. And, and Rollup came at the problem from exactly the opposite side. It started off as a tool for only doing libraries. And then someone went, yeah, but I really like Webpack and now I'm doing a website. Why can't Webpack, or sorry, why can't Rollup do both? And now Rollup does both. So they both do both, but one of them came at it from one side and one of them came at it from the other side. And in the abstract, Rollup is a better fit, except for the fact that the entire internet has said, no, Bart, you're wrong. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> we shall go with the flow. So we're going to learn Webpack 5 and we're going to pretend Webpack 1, 2, 3, and 4 don't exist. Because why do we want to learn the old stuff? We've never done it before. We're not going to start now. So Webpack is written to be used inside Node.js. If you're not using Node.js to manage your whatever it is, you can't use Webpack. Webpack is in the Node environment. That is the only place it exists. Webpack isn't one thing it's like an ecosystem it has the ability to be extended so there exist lots and lots of first party and third party extensions for base core webkit webpack the core library is in a node package called webpack and the command line interface is in a node package called webpack-cli 
So at the very, very basic, we're going to be doing an npm install minus minus save dev webpack space webpack CLI. Actually, okay. that's all we're going to be doing because uh, for us, the we don't need any plugins at all today. But they exist. There are many of them. So, sorry, you look like you... No, no, no. no. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Just listen. Sometimes having video... I didn't video... recognize it. I was paying attention. <laughs> um, so, the Webpack documentation starts with a page. So, if you open Webpack's documentation, it jumps you straight to a page called Concepts. That's probably a good place to start. Because okay. Webpack is a big enough project with a long enough history that it's built its own jargon. Its own, yeah, jargon. That's really what it is. Like, they're English words, but they have a special meaning. So that is a jargon. The first one is the entry point. And the entry point is the thing you want to publish. So you have written some JavaScript code that does a thing. That is your entry point. That thing may depend on 20 other files. Those are the dependencies, but the entry point is the main thing. So for us, our library is going to be the main thing. And if it ends up, you know, using other stuff, great. The bundler will find them and it'll pull them all together. So, I have a question. Yeah. You said that you said that Webpack started to bundle a website and it was uh, extended to do libraries. I would have thought the, the core concept entry point would be an HTML file. It would be if we were doing websites. Right. So That's the entry how it point, started, though. Right. Yes. So... If we were doing websites, then the thing we want to publish is the website, so the entry point would be indexed at HTML. Okay, good. Okay. It's just because we're doing a library, it's going to yes. be the JavaScript file. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, All and right, if we're it. doing a web app, it'll be, you know, main.js or whatever the web app's main file is. Basically, the entry point is the thing you want to publish. And then okay. it's going to have dependencies, and Webpack will find them for you because it's clever. The opposite end of the entry point is the output. This is a folder. And everything that Webpack makes for you will get shoved into that folder. And that out that folder will be what you zip up and put on your website for a download, or FTP up to your CDN, or copy to your web server. Right? The output folder is the thing you share with the world or put on your website or you know it's the thing you publish, right? The output folder is the end product. I'm probably overstating that. Um, and Webpack, by default, will assume that you are making stuff for semi-modern web browsers. It actually has decided to draw the line at ES5. So not ES6, ES5. Which basically means, I think IE9 is out. IE11 <laughs> might even be out. I'm not 100% sure, but you know, even Microsoft has given up on that. But basically... Everything else, like if it works okay. on Google, it probably works with ES5. Like it's, it pretty much covers the modern internet pretty broadly. And that's its default behavior. But you can actually configure it to do multiple outputs from a single entry point. So you can say to it, here is the code I have written. I would like you to make me an ES6 module that encapsulates everything and make me a universal one that works everywhere. I'd like two outputs, oh. please. Okay. You could be greedy, which is great. And the other thing is Webpack is very intelligent. So it will actually read through your code 
and follow your import statements to figure out the dependency tree. And if you give it HTML that loads CSS, it will follow your, 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 your link tags that pull in CSS files, and it will build up a tree of everything that's needed to make your stuff go. Is and that a will, tree you can see? Like, did they draw it out for you in any way? You can ask it. You, you, if you ask it to be very verbose in its output, you can see all of these things, yeah. But it's not something you will generally see. You will generally oh, see okay. starting, done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. It's quite quiet. But under the hood, it is absolutely building out that dependency tree and doing all of that kind of stuff. So it's quite clever. It will do CSS. Um, JavaScript is its home, is what it learned to do first. But it's actually quite powerful. So as well as just... Okay. In order to do that, in order to do its magic, in order to understand what it is you're doing, it has to be able to interpret it, and it interprets it using what it calls a loader. So the default loader is JavaScript, but it can load HTML, it can load CSS. So they're called loaders in Webpack language. So when we want to go on to do a full website, we're going to be adding in, we're going to do an NPM install for loader-css. Because we're going to want it to process our CSS as well as just our JavaScript. So you you have multiple loaders then. You could have mul- you could you could have many many loaders. Um, it can also do things like uh, do sort of magic on images and stuff. So you may have loaders for JPEGs or whatever. There's lots and lots and lots of loaders out there. Okay. And as well as loaders, so loaders just sort of follow dependencies, but you can get more fancy pants, and you can actually transform the dependency tree after it's been created. So the loader will build your dependencies. And the output will be the end product. But between those two things, you can sandwich in what Webpack calls plugins. And there are bits of logic you do in the middle. So you've built your dependency tree, and you know what you want for an output, but the plugin can come in in between and transform what you have to something else. And the most common thing you want to transform is there's this, th- there's this thing we haven't met yet that's really cool that I am going to introduce you to called a CSS preprocessor. It lets you do things like write loops, which the output of the loop will be lots of very repetitive but slightly different CSS classes. So you may have noticed in Bootstrap you have an H, you have m, you have m dash one, m dash two, m dash three, m dash four, m dash five. No human okay. being wrote all of those. They're using a CSS preprocessor that just has a loop that says, I have an array of sizes. I would like you to loop through that array and make me a class called 12345 that takes the values from the array. Oh, how clever. Exactly. And Webpack can do that for you. So it can do the CSS preprocessing. So it can turn something called, basically something that isn't CSS yet, into CSS. Hmm. So very powerful. And then the last thing is that Webpack can operate in one of two modes. It can be in production mode or development mode. The only difference between the two is that in production mode, it optimizes more. So the end product is a smaller file. Whereas in dev mode, it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll just do a quick job on it for you. It'll behave, right? Functionally, it will be identical, but it won't be as efficient. Hmm. Unless you're doing something very large... Just the default is production mode. And unless you're doing a really big project, just leave it there. 
So it doesn't mean you've you've actually published it or anything like that. It's just a, a mode that has created the files for you. Yeah, so when it's making that output file, quite how many optimizations is it going to apply? Is it going to rewrite all your variable names? Is, you know, how, how, how much work is it going to do to make it not function any different, just to be smaller? You know, but how much optimization is it going to do? And so for, for publishing, you want to, you know, I will have all of the bells and whistles, please. And while you're not okay. publishing yet, you're, you're happy to, to turn off a few bells and or whistles. But, you know, unless it's huge, it's not going to make any difference. So the next piece of the puzzle then is Webpack's config file, because, of course, Webpack can do 20 kabillion things and we wanted to do a specific thing. <laughs> we actually have to tell it what we wanted to do. Uh, and this is kind of interesting. So we are used to a config file being a static thing. Like we write the config Webpack asks you to write a script which outputs the config. So there's a level of indirection. Okay. So we write webpack.config.js and Webpack will execute webpack.config.js and it must export an well, an object, or we'll call it a dictionary because we'll prefer that word. So it must output the config as its default. It must be a module that has one export, the default export that is your config. So oh, it is. I see what you mean by misdirection. It's it's going to take JavaScript, but it's going to turn it into this dictionary file when it's done because it Correct. needs a dictionary file. Exactly. And it expects to be handed out as the default export from a module. So what you're actually writing is a module that outputs a dictionary. Hmm. Okay. And you do it in a file called webpack.config.js. All right. That's not too too much misdirection. It's not no, it's just one layer, right? Just one yeah. layer of indirection, I think, rather than misdirection. Not, yeah, not misdirection. Right, right. Yeah, it's 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 not malicious, but it is indirect. It's an abstraction. Now, because we are in this transition period where I am only telling you about the future, which is ES6. But Node.js is dragging its heels because Node.js existed long before ES6 existed, so they have lots of technical debt. We are living in experimental areas of Node.js. So we're kind of straddling the, the past and the future? We're straddling the past and the future, which means that when it comes to writing our webpack.config.js we are ahead of most of the answers you'll find on Stack Overflow. Oof, which scary. is very annoying because it means that you can't just go, because you'll go to Stack Overflow and it'll be full of require this, require this. Well, require doesn't exist because for us, the keyword is import, not require. Right? We've never learned about require because that's common JS, not ES6. So we have to mentally rewrite some things, but don't worry, you can copy paste from our example because actually... Creating a library is creating a library is creating a library. Like, this is very much stamp, stamp, repeat, stamp, repeat, stamp, repeat. So I'm going to teach it to you by taking our little joiner that we've been playing around with for the past couple of installments and packaging it with Webpack. And we're going to package oh, cool. it twice. So we're going to make two outputs. We're going to make a universal output a la jQuery, and we're going to make a bundled ES6 module. So we have... Okay, so we're going to see both in, in action now. We're going to see both in action. So 
Before we actually can do that, I needed to make a small change to the existing code. So I have been going out of my way to avoid having any dependencies in that example joiner because we weren't ready for dependencies. Which meant instead of writing nice human readable stuff using my favorite is.js, I was writing horrible things like if type of conjunction not triple equals the string string. Whereas what I'm used to writing is if is dot not dot string. Right? Okay. Uh, so I have been going out of my way to not use any of my my favorite dependencies because then we'd have dependencies. Well, if I'm gonna show you bundling, I need at least one dependency to bundle. Therefore, and I have... scratches his own itch. Pretty much, <laughs> <Hello>. yeah. <laughs> it's also um, a good opportunity to see open source in action. So is.js has been a really big friend of mine for years, but it had one develop, one maintainer, one developer, and they went quiet. They just, life, I presume, got in the way. Hmm. But it's open source. So the community forked it, and the modern version is now available as is it check which is nowhere near okay. as nice a name as is.js, but I don't care. It's a good name, though. So now... It's an is-it check. It's going to check, is it? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I guess maybe it's I'm being too harsh. Name. It's just so much more typing than I'm used to. Yeah. Now, the thing is, because it's a, it's a fork, once you've imported the module, it's just is dot whatever, right? So the actual, my code hasn't had oh. to change. What's had to change is that instead of saying npm install minus minus save is underscore js, I now have to say npm install minus minus save is dash it dash check. Oh, poor baby. I keep <laughs> you didn't have to change any code though. That's great. <laughs> yeah, well, apart from the import statement at the top, right? Because I now import, okay. import is from, right? Okay. So... Yeah, okay, so npm install minus minus save is it check. So that we're now telling npm to go and fetch is it check and save it as a dependency inside our uh, Node.js project. So we now have a dependency. The other thing I have done is I have changed the file from being source forward slash joiner.mjs to just source forward slash joiner.js. And I have done that by editing my package.json file to say, Dear Node, I want you permanently and forever in ES6 mode, please, while inside this folder. And you do that by giving the dictionary inside your package.json type module, and then you actually specify the JavaScript file that is the sort of the main entry point of the project. So module src joiner.js. So which which file got that change? Package.json. Okay, not joiner.js. Um, do you say in the show notes it's package.json you changed? Yeah, literally like Let's two see. millimeters above where I say type colon module, like the second last word in the sentence right before the oh, colon. There it, is. it says joiner.mjs. Oh, okay, there it is, package.json. Okay, good. Because right. remember, Webpack runs inside Node. So Webpack knows your dependencies from package.json. Right, right. Okay. All right. And it tells it, it knows it's ES6 by the word type colon module? Yes, that is what the Node.js people have decided is the magic incantation to say, join the new world. Huh. Okay. Inside this folder, right? Because remember, you, you Node is... I think it would have the, like, ES6 in the name or something, but I suppose it could be ES7 when it's true, right? Right. So the idea is that ES6 modules are the official standard JavaScript going forward. So... 
module is the right word to describe the official standard. Okay. So it does right. make sense, but it does it does take a bit of getting used to. So once it ex- once we've installed it using npm install, then inside my joiner.js, I can import my new fancy pants version of my type checker by saying import is from is it check. Okay. And you do that at the top or the bottom? Oh, at the, at the top. top where we used to it. Okay, got it. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then once I had done that, I could replace all those horrible if statements with the nice human-friendly ones. Okay. And so the real reason I did this was because I needed a dependency. So there we go. Okay. Now, you've done that for us all in this uh, example file of Joiner before. Correct. So Joiner before start now. is everything that's ready to be webpacked. Okay. All right. So indeed, and in there you will find, and in fact, this is fully ready, right? This is, everything we've been learning is in here, right? You'll notice that there's a joiner.test.js because that's your jest test suite. Uh, Now, the reason I was able to do open heart surgery on my code and drop in is.js or is it check without worrying, oh my goodness, have I broken everything is because I just went npm run test, 16 out of 16 pass. Grant, haven't broken it. Ooh, so so testing made you happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was like NPM run test. Okay, I didn't break it by changing it from MJS to JS. That worked. Then import my dependency, NPM run test. No, didn't break it again. Great, go me. <laughs> okay. Okay, so there we go. Um, so if you want to play along, then you can download the zip file and you can get the folder joiner-before and if you follow along with the show notes, by the time we're done, your joiner.before will be exactly the same as the joiner.after. So if you don't want to play along, joiner.after has the end result. If you do want to play along, start with before and when you're finished, your before will be the same as the after. Oh, perfect. Okay. Now, I have a note in here to avoid the kind of problems we've run into in the past. So... We are at the cutting edge. So we actually do need to be running the latest stable version of Node.js so that we have our ES6 support running smoothly. Okay. So if you're not, as of right now today, the long-term support version of Node is 16.14.2. Basically, if you're on 16 point anything, you'll be grand. But if you're still on 14, then you're on the previous LTS. How would I know what I was on? Node space minus minus version. Mine's best version. I always get confused between, there's a which one. Well, which will tell you where it is, whereas the minus minus version is basically, tell me about yourself. Okay, which to me says, which one am I running? But that's not the answer I ever get when I ask it. <laughs> it says, yep, I got it. Here it well, is. Well, no, which will show you, which is about, right? So you could have lots of files on your computer named CD. Right. What, which tells you, okay, so when I type that, what's actually running? Yeah, I suppose. It's answering a different question. It's from a different point of view. All right, I'm running 16.13.0. No, that should be fine. You're on the major version 16, so you should be good. Okay. But you could update yourself if you wanted. So once you're in the folder, the first thing to do is to install all of those dependencies. So when I say all, um, that's basically your Jest stuff, your JS doc stuff, and our is it check. So npm space ci will do a clean install. You can verify that everything is working and that your version of Node.js is new enough by doing npm run test. 
And if you yep, feel like making in the documentation, you could do npm run, npm run docs and it'll build the documentation for you. Okay. Anyway, don't have to do that. So there we go. You're all good. So the first thing we need to do is we need to install Webpack as a developer dependency. So npm install minus minus save minus dev webpack space webpack dash CLI. All right. That means our project now knows that it's using webpack as a developer dependency. So it's, you know, we need webpack to build our project. Our web, our project doesn't need webpack to run. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Okay. So the next thing to do is to make our config. So we need to do. So we're going to make a file called webpack.conf.js that goes into the root of our Node.js project. So that's our after folder. And the whole file is pasted in the show notes here. But the first nine lines of it really are boilerplate that we need in order to work around the fact that we're at the cutting edge. Okay. So in pre-ES6 versions of Node.js, there were two magic variables that I loved because they were darn useful called underscore underscore file name and underscore underscore dear name. And they point to the file of my current line of code. Hmm. So it's not the file that you ran, which called another file. It's actually this line of code here. What file am I in? And underscore underscore dear name is this line of code. What folder am I in? They're really useful for stuff like a file that's going to generate a config. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So we simulate them by using some various standard packages that ship as part of Node. So basically, that's why we have to have these eight lines of code. Import path from Node path, import file URL to path from Node URL, const underscore underscore file name equals, right? That's just boilerplate stuff to simulate those two magically useful variables. And and you're saying those things, this underscore underscore file name and underscore underscore dir name, those exist in ES6 but don't exist in ES5? Other way around. Oh. Oh, so we're doing something to bring forward something that you're sad is gone. Yes. In ES5. And okay. it's not that it's, it's probably not permanently gone. It's just that ES... Not there yet. It's not there yet. Exactly. Okay. Right. Cutting edge. It's too useful to not be in there. Yeah, and the community very much wanted. Like, there's a link in the show notes to the Stack Overflow article that I ended up choosing because there's lots of people have found lots of different ways to get those two variables back, but the shortest one is those four lines of code. So I just stuck okay. a link. You know, it's not my work, it's Stack Overflow. Right, okay. Now, we are going to use Webpack twice. We're making two outputs. So that actually means that our default export is going to be an array of two dictionaries, one for each of the Webpack things we want to do. Okay. So if we were only building one output, it wouldn't be an array. You just output the dictionary. But we want to do two things. So Webpack is smart enough to know that if the default output is an array instead of a dictionary, it loops over the array. Okay, so it's going to create it's two config two files in one config files. But the config files that get exported are going to be JavaScript files that get turned into dictionaries. No. This file is going to output two dictionaries. Okay, but I thought... Oh, because Webpack is the thing that's creating the dictionaries. No, no, we're creating the dictionaries. Webpack wants an export of what to do. And this JavaScript file is going to give it, as the default export, what we want it to do. Okay, but remember that whole abstraction layer we talked about? 
Right. We said that it doesn't, it can't take a dictionary. It has to take a JavaScript file that creates a dictionary. Correct. So this file says export default open square bracket. So this file create, this file exports an array of two dictionaries. So Webpack is going to run this JavaScript file to create these exports, these dictionaries. Okay. I'm with you. Got it. Okay. And the reason it's an array of two is because we want to use Webpack twice. Right. Because we want the old uh, universal module and we want the ES6 module. Bing, bing, bing. If we only wanted one, it wouldn't be an array. We just put whichever one we want that is the only thing in the default. Okay. So there are now two dictionaries, and so I've separated them with comments so that it's clear that we're doing two things here, right? So output the old style and output the ESX module. But they both share some common features. They both define the same entry point. Entry colon, and then it's the relative path to our joiner file. And this is in the format that Node.js would expect it to be. The output is also shared by both of them also define an output telling Webpack we want you to output something somewhere. Both of our outputs share a path. They both say output to a folder and the way you say the folder is with the word path or sorry the key path. And they both use path.resolve with the underscore underscore dear name. The reason for this is because this path is going to be handed to the operating system, not to Node.js. And so on Windows, the backslashes have to go one way. Mm. And on Linux and the Mac, the backslashes have to go the other way. So the path.resolve function will build a file path that's right for the OS. Oh, that's cool. So that's all it's doing. It's basically saying, take as your starting point, underscore, underscore, dir name, and then go up one level into the folder called dist. And just, if I'm on Windows, make it BC colon forward slash blah, blah, blah. And if I'm on Linux, make it be backslash, you know, right. all the way around. So, so both of these modules will be put into, both of these dictionaries will be put into the same directory. They'll both be in dist. No. These dictionaries never get written anywhere. These dictionaries get loaded into Webpack. What's going into that dist folder is our actual output. Webpack's actual produce is what's going into that dist folder. Okay, but there'll be two versions of it. Correct. And, and they're that's, going to the same place. They're going to the same place. So that's we why both... Tell them different names. Ah, so the, the, the line after path is file name. Okay, okay. And this is where the two dictionaries diverge. Right, one of them says file name joiner dash universal dot js, and the other one says file name joiner dash esx dot js. Okay, got it. Got so it. they have just diverged. Okay. Right. The next place they diverge is in the sub dictionary named library. So when you make a dictionary exist called library, you're telling Webpack, you are making me a library. You're not making me a website. You're not making me a web app. Remember, we're solving exactly one problem today. So the way you say what problem you're solving is by saying library colon. So then Webpack is going, okay, I am building a library. Tell me more. Would it be website if it was a website? I don't remember. I think it's just site. <laughs> site. Okay. I think. I can live with that. Something. I think. It's, it's, it's something sensible. It wouldn't be library. It wouldn't be library. Not library. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So this, the two of them completely diverge at this point. Because yes, we want Webpack to make us a library, but we have two completely different hats on now. 
So I'm going to stop comparing the two and I'm going to focus in on the UMD, the universal one first. Okay. So with a universal import, we're in, we're in jQuery land. So we need to tell it, first off, type colon UMD says, I want a universal module. And that's the first thing, right? Type colon UMD. That, that tells Webpack what it is we're building. So the end result is going to be some variable name sitting in the default scope. So that's the name. So if this was jQuery, it would be name dollar. If this was moment.js, it would be name moment. But it's our joiner, so I said name joiner. Okay. So when someone says script... So that's that variable we get to, to use. Exactly. So we are saying build joiner-universal.js so that when someone uses it in a script tag, the thing that will be shoved into the global scope is joiner. All right. So that's the end product. So the second thing you have to tell Webpack is, what do you want me to publish as joiner? And so we have a module as the input, which could have any number of exports. So you actually have to tell it with the export key what it is you would like to be mapped to joiner. And we're going to take the default export and map it to joiner. Okay. So the file joiner.js is a module that has a default export that is our joiner. So we're saying take the default export from our entry point and publish it to the world with the name joiner. I don't care what default export is. What do you mean? Okay, so modules export things. And if you don't say what you want, if someone tries to use your module without saying what they want, there is the default export. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, all right. So our joiner module only has one export because it's darn simple. Right. So it only has a default export. Okay. But it could have But you, you skipped over, we, we give it a type. But I, I said the type, so I, I should have put the type first in the show notes, just for logical sake. I thought I had, but I obviously missed one. Um, I oh. think the actual source file has it the right way around. Yes, it does. Now, it doesn't matter, of course, because a dictionary doesn't have an order. Sorry, right. a JavaScript dictionary doesn't have an order. The Oxford English Dictionary does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, does, okay. So we're saying make a me universal module, take the default export from our entry point, and publish it to the world with the name joiner. So there are three pieces. The library definition for our ES6 module is way simpler. I have a module. I'm going to be publishing it as a module. That's all you have to do, really. So just type really? colon module. Because really so the input is... you don't have to give it a name? Well, no, because remember, we're publishing an ESX module, so it's going to have the default export, just like the input does. We don't have to right, change how anything. Does it, how does it know what the default export is? Because well, that's already in the module? It's already in the module. We've oh, written okay. it as an ESX module. We've written okay, an ESX party. module. We're outputting an ESX module. We don't, we don't need to translate anything. We just need it to bundle the dependencies. Okay, but in the universal one, we have to tell it the name. Exactly, it, because the, the universal the one is, yeah, the universal one is just going to run as a script tag. Okay. Right, there's no import statement for us to give it a name. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and the only other small thing is that because ES6 modules are new, we also have to have above the output experiments, output module colon true, basically tells Webpack we are living on the cutting edge. Turn on your experimental ES6 features, please. 
I don't see that. In so the... it's oh, a, oh, I see. It's a peer with output. It's not inside output. It's oh, there you see, go. Entry okay. experiments output. Okay, because ES6, even though it's fully published, is considered experimental. No, Webpack's support. Oh, of the fully published okay. ES6 is experimental. Okay. Okay. Just like Node.js's support of the fully published ES6 is experimental. Okay, got it. All right. Whew. Right. It's actually very logical, and that is a copy-paste job, because the only thing you're going to change is the entry point and the names of things. It is just a copy-paste job. Bart has done a great job of going through and walking through each piece of this in, in little bits and explaining each little piece, and he's got a paragraph on each one. But when you look at the code, it's like, Eight line, nine lines with a lot of uh, commenty bits, squirrely brackets and stuff. Yeah, I mean it is straightforward. I've I've made it sound as difficult as I can. I guess. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was really important. Yes, exactly. That that's good. So we've installed Webpack. We've written a config file. Well, we're ready to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Webpack is here. The config is here. To run Webpack, we use npx, which is the same thing we use to run Jest and the same thing we use to run uh, JS Doc. So we say npx space webpack. Ooh, my barfed a lot of red on my screen. It will probably have said, ooh, you didn't tell me what mode to work in. I'm going to go with production. It said, uh, yeah, no no mode option. Um, module not found error. Can't resolve dot slash src. You in the right folder? Probably not. No. Well, where am I supposed to be? In the uh, dash Assuming you're following along in the dash before. Right, but am I supposed to be down inside source or? No, 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 no. You're supposed to be in the dash, in, in, in the before folder. Okay, let me try do where I'm. Po- uh, that's where I sure I am. Well, there should be a folder called source, which should contain the there files. There is. There absolutely is. I'm looking at it and it's got joiner.js and joiner.test.js and the tests did run. But it says, and it also says, field browser doesn't contain a valid alias configuration. Walks me down. Source.js does not exist. Hmm. We, hmm. I don't know. And you're on a okay. slightly different version of Node.js, so I'm going to not debug this right now, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, real quickly, what do I? How do I update npm? And go to Node.js org and download, oh, download the it? Oh, yeah. okay yeah okay if you wanted to not whine about not having a mode minus minus mode equals production okay so npx webpack minus minus mode equals production um the next thing we want to do really right so there is a terminal command to do js doc there is a terminal command to do jest but we don't remember any of those because we wrote into our package.json file the command, and then we gave it a short name, right? Inside your package.json, there's a scripts dictionary, which contains docs, which has the full command for your JS doc, npx, JS doc, and a whole bunch of stuff. And there's a command named test, which is npx, jest, and a whole bunch of stuff. But we should add a new one called build which is just going to actually have the command to run Webpack for us. So we just add into the scripts dictionary build npx webpack minus minus mode equals production. This and then... where I always... 
lose you. Okay. Uh, into the scripts dictionary. Where, which file? Package.json. Okay. Huh. Yeah, for some reason, these, these instructions with modules, I never know which file you mean, even though I'm, like you just pointed out, I'm looking at it. It says <laughs> it right there, but I, I find it very, when you say add it to the scripts dictionary, but that's not the name of the file. It's the package.json and then the part of package.json that includes scripts. Yes. But there, then there is a scripts. Does it matter where I add this? As long as it's inside scripts, because there's no order, right? It's just a, just right. an object. So okay. you just need to add a new key value pair where the key okay. is build no, and the to. value is the command. And with that, I don't have to tell it the mode equals production mark. Got it. Okay. So then you run it, npm run build. So you'd have npm run docs to build your documentation, npm run test to run jest, npm run build to run webpack. And that is the structure that we will be using for real. That is how our real project is going to work. And that is how all projects work. So if we were to change our mind and switch from Webpack to Rollup, we would change the command that build maps to, but our muscle memory would always be correct, npm run build. Just like if we were to change our mind from Jess or from jest to something else, we'd still say npm run test, it's just that the test command would do something else. So since I can't see what should happen, because it's failing all over the place, it's very angry, it's got lots of problems with squirrely brackets and things, what should I have seen happen? You should have seen a small amount of output and then two files should have appeared in dist with the two names that we gave it. So if you jump to the after But dist folder, does not exist, so it creates dist? This does not exist. Not in the before, it doesn't. Ooh, that's a problem. Oh no! It, no, you're right. It wouldn't. Um, it it should created. create it. It would have. It would have created it had it uh, succeeded. Had it okay. Yes. Okay. So it's got an example.html, example.mjs. They're sitting in the after folder. Um, so yeah, at this stage, I'd like you to jump to. What did yeah, I I'm jumping the to the as well. No, no, I'm looking no, at you're the after, the after. because okay, my, my before is okay, completely borked. Uh, by the yeah. way, for anybody okay. listening, we're so, having Skype problems because I'm talking over Bart and I'm not intentionally doing that. There, I think we're up, I, we might be in sync. So if it had run properly, I would have a dist folder and inside that it would have these four files, example.html, example.mjs, joiner, no. It would have just made joineres6.js and joineruniversal.js. I've put the two examples in there to prove to you that these modules work. Oh, okay. So the examples are now what I'm about to talk about. They're not, they weren't made by Webpack. Webpack just made the two files we told it to. And these okay. examples show you how to use what Webpack just spat out for us. Okay. Okay. We might want to make a note of the, in the show notes that those were added manually. Like, yeah, okay, we, we can reword that. Yeah. Um, okay. So right. let's actually try use these. So if you open the example.html, remember the whole point here is we wanted to get to a world where we just had a script tag that just used our file as if it was the same as jQuery. So you will find in that file near the bottom a script tag that just, Im that just sucks in 
joiner-universal.js. It just says script source equals joiner-universal.js. That's it. Joiner now exists, which you will see if you look in the script tag underneath that, you can see that I use joiner. Sorry, Bert, lost. Uh, I'm opening up example.html in a text editor, correct? If you'd like to see the code, yeah. And the bottom is local JavaScript. Going so a little higher. jQuery Bootstrap. A little higher. Okay, then, then, okay. I thought you said it was at the bottom, so I was lost. Okay. Well, it's, it's under the HTML. Okay, so it... What if this was done automatically? Nothing. This is... Nothing. We're okay. using... We are using... We join our universal JS. It is as easy to use as jQuery. I just say script source equals join universal JS. I now have my joiner. Okay, so you created an HTML file and and you asked you put the script tag at the bottom like you would jQuery. Correct. So I That's am now I've changed okay. hats, right? I'm not the developer of the library anymore. I'm Bart the user. I don't care how joiner works. I want to use joiner. That's the turn I missed. Okay. Now I'm with you. All right. Yeah. So in order to use it, it's just that script tag. And then it exists. And so I can use it in my code. So down below, you can see me use it. Uh, there's this comment, build a joiner with the appropriate settings. And it says, const my joiner becomes equal to joiner. And then some stuff. I just plumbed it into, into the web form, right? That's okay. So I've just basically done a whole bunch of jQuery here to actually make the, the web form make a list that I join. But the right. point is, I'm using my joiner class. And all I did was say script source equals joiner universal. And then it was there for me to use. As oh, easy cool. as jQuery. Okay. Little bonus extra, by the way. This is a Bootstrap 5 web interface. Okay. The most obvious difference is clicking to the form elements. Oh, wait, I'm allowed to open it in... Oh, yeah, you've got to see the shiny. Right? I, I, yeah. All that Bootstrap 5 shiny. Got to see the shiny. Because we were looking in the uh, there. Okay, all right. So what's different that's Bootstrap 5e? So, um, empty, so do a select all in the text area and empty it, and you'll see the default they look like before they're populated. Okay, You're, so he's got a, a text box that says list items. Yeah. So and empty the list it. items and you'll see that by default, when the page loads, the label is nice and big. And then when you click into the text box and type your stuff, the label shrinks up out of the way. It's called a oh, floating that's, label. That's pretty. And they exist okay. on the text inputs as well as on the text area. Okay. If we have any text inputs in that file, which I don't think we do. They exist in the dropdown even as well. They're very pretty. So that's okay. a new Bootstrap 5 thing. They're, they're called floating labels. They're very pretty. They didn't exist in Bootstrap 4. And then under the hood, if you're very observant, you'll find a few subtle differences. I had to add an extra container into the nav bar to make it work. So there's an extra div uh, class equals container dash fluid inside the nav bar that wasn't there in Bootstrap 4. And mm -hmm. until I put that in, the nav bar had no padding and the PBS text was smashed straight against the edges of the nav bar and it looked horrible. Oh. And <laughs> so I put that in and it was fine. And the only other thing that's changed, the only thing that I had to do differently from Bootstrap 4 is that in Bootstrap 4, if you had a form, you had to have div class equals form dash group around each different input to give it a little bit of padding. Right. So that your text areas weren't all smashed on top of each other. That's gone in Bootstrap 5. 
They literally, they just say in the docs, yeah, we have margin utilities, just use those. We suggest M3. <laughs> okay, good. It's just easier that way. So, yeah. So, yeah, there we go. That's uh, That's all there is to it. And then the last thing is that we made an ES6 module, so we should be able to use that too, right? Well, example.mjs is me with my other hat on using my module as a command line developer in JavaScript. So example.mjs is designed to be run from the command line, so you'd say node space example.mjs inside the dist folder, and it will print out the string, I wonder which Allison prefers, pancakes, popcorn, or waffles? <laughs> uh, and the code to do that is very straightforward. So we say import my joiner-es6.js. So import joiner from dot slash joiner-es6.js. Then we just make an array called food choices that contains pancakes, waffles, and popcorn. And then we just make our, we just join them together. Const foods becomes equal to joiner.or.sort.join food choices which is why the output has an or instead of an and, and why the waffles are last instead of in the middle, because we said sort and or. Okay. That's it, really. So, if, uh, wait, am I supposed to say node space example.mjs? Yes, inside the dist folder, though. That's where I am. I'm in the dist folder, and it says cannot find module. Joiner after dist example.mjs. I this may be down to you being on a different version of nodes. Possibly. Okay. We mm. are on the cutting edge here, which is and you are a version behind. All right. So if anybody runs into this problem before we publish, we'll say what you have to be on in the show notes. Well, we already did uh, 16 points something. It's in the top of the show notes already because I, I figured this might happen. So I preempted it. It is in the top of the show notes. Okay, but you said I was okay, that the version I was I on was okay. I guess you're okay. Not. Note to self, don't guess. <laughs> okay. I never saw it in here, but okay, I believe you. No, no, it's, uh, it's here. I even marked it in bold and italic. It says note. It's here somewhere. Probably more obvious in the output than the input. Anyway. So, that is... We have done it, right? We have used Webpack to take our joiner and turn it into a universal, and to turn it into a um, an ES6 module. And in both cases, is it check was bundled into our output. We used the joiner, and we never had to know that is it check is used by the joiner. In example.html, there was no mention of is it check ever. Yeah, that's a good point. Because you, huh. I, so I genuinely have no idea how many different modules jQuery use in the background, and I don't need to because they have a bundler and they've spat out a universal file, and I just copy and paste the URL to that universal file into my script tag. So well, we have now pretty, learned to do. Yeah. We're now learned to be as cool as jQuery. That is cool. It is cool. So we have done like ten percent or less of what Webpack can do. But we've completely solved the problem we need to solve to move forward with our project. So for now, job done. All right. This, now, is, this is really interesting. This was a lot of meat, but the, the show notes are some of the best you've done. I mean, it's really, really clear. Okay, And it's gonna, I, I, I suggest this might take a few reads. 
Yeah. I, I, I looked at it as I was reading it going, I will be reading this again. <laughs> Not that because it was unclear, but because there's a lot here. It's like Webpack is doing a lot. Like the config file isn't long, but Webpack is applying a lot of brains. Like, you know, Webpack rocks, you know. So we are now at a very scary point. I have run out of all excuses not to get started <laughs> on this giant big project. I don't know the format of the next installment. I'm going to start work on this giant big pile of wood. I'm going <laughs> okay. to find a log and I'm going to split it. And I have no idea what log it'll be and I have no idea how we're going to talk about it. But there'll you be a thing the and we'll talk about it. <laughs> you have all the tools, your, your toolbox. You've been to the uh, hardware store. You've bought all this stuff. You, you've decided you're going to make a podcast and you've written all your, uh, you've, you've bought a microphone and you got a nice chair and you got some lighting. <laughs> Now, now we got to do it. <laughs> now I got to do it. So a thing will happen and we will talk about it. And that's kind of all I know <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> okay, that sounds good, Bart. This is cool. I'm, I'm excited. We're, uh, we're, we're, we've got our nose out of the barn. Excellent. Okay, well, folks, until next time. Happy. Oh, I almost forgot my own tagline. Isn't that terrible? How long have we been doing this, Alison? How many years do I even want it's to know? It's over four, I think. <laughs> well, anyway. Until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.